You're listening to Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. And my name is Martin Yu. And I'm Rira Yu. And it's time for our November 2021 mid-month book news check-in, uh, where we go over the latest publishing and book news in the world of Asian American literature. Um, Rira, how has your month been going? I cannot believe it's towards the end of November now. <laughs> that is I feel like we can't wild. believe it's the end of the month. It just quite a bit these days. This is the only way I track time nowadays. <laughs> like it's like, oh yeah, we're doing a mid-month episode. It's like halfway <laughs> through the month, uh, and I cannot believe that uh, Turkey Day is only like a couple days away. Yeah, Turkey Day is this week. Wishing everyone a happy Turkey Day, um, however you celebrate it, or if you celebrate it. And also Black Friday, like <laughs> you know, it's- if you work in retail. My condolences. Is Good that still luck. happening though? Like, are we still? Are people still gonna like? Yep, I, I have friends who work in retail, um, and they are like busy as busy well, as ever. I know a lot of retail stores extended their Black Friday deals like super early this year because they don't want everyone to like crowd because crowds are still like bad right we're still not no, it's still bad i mean it i guess it depends on the stores like some stores are going to just do the tallying people like okay only like 15 <laughs> people in the store at a time i mean most people are going to shop online anyway yeah so but it's like busy for for most people who work in the retail industry and you know like i feel really bad because thanksgiving should be like whether you celebrate it or not, like the the next like three days should be a break, but it's not. I have friends who are working on <laughs> like the day after Thanksgiving, and I'm like, why? <laughs> we know. Well, we've read enough books. We've done five years of reading books to know why. The why is capitalism. I know rules I know. our lives. But it's gonna be an exciting week, though. I'm gonna go to my BTS concerts. Oh. Uh, it's gonna be very exciting, <laughs> and you know, Cowboy Bebop is coming out, and yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're gonna watch that, and uh, we're gonna talk about that next week on uh, my other podcast, The Good Pop Culture Club, and. We really had an extended conversation before recording about my reservations because I've also been watching, I've been rewatching the Cowboy Bebop anime series because they relicensed that for Netflix. And I think I made a mistake because now. Yeah, you made a mistake. I can't yeah. help but compare the two, you know? Yeah, like I, I said this to Marvin uh, before the recording, but I'm just going to be open minded as possible and just consider <laughs> it as a separate. A separate work of work of art and we'll see we'll see yes we shall see um but yeah we're not here to talk about cowboy bebop we're here to talk about the latest book and publishing news and yeah there's quite a bit this month again um publishing has been super busy um so let's get to it uh, we always start off these episodes with the latest publishing announcements from asian and asian american authors so Rira, why don't you start us off okay so as always our news is coming from publishers weekly in a mid-six-figure deal, William Morrow preempted world English rights to Rebecca F. Kwong's Yellowface. 
Pitched as a cross between the novel White Ivy and The Other Black Girl, the book tackles questions of diversity and racism in publishing and the erasure of Asian American voices and history. The story follows a white author who steals an unpublished manuscript written by a more successful Asian American novelist who died in a freak accident and publishes it as her own. Uh, and no pub day has been announced yet. Wow. So this is um, Arv Kwan, who is best known as the author of the Poppy War trilogy. I guess this would be her first contemporary novel. I know she's writing another series as well called, I think, Babel. But that is a magical Oxford style story, I think. Oh, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, this sounds like a pretty fun story. And it's really funny because... It's based on a lot of real life cases where we've had white authors take on like Asian American names at the very least. That poet guy, right? I blocked his name from my head, but I know that there was a, a guy who like wrote poems under an uh, Asian name and won a diversity award or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm excited to learn more about this project. Um, Rebecca tends to write stories that are dark and bleak. Um, but also awesome. And this seems like a totally different tone. I mean, not as existentially depressing, but like culturally existentially depressing that it's based on, you know, erasure of Asian voices and, you know, white people taking credit for things they didn't do. Yeah, it's a very interesting commentary to have for a contemporary novel. And I am pretty excited because Rebecca is a very talented writer. Yeah. All right. Our next deal, Inkyard Press acquired world rights to the Fateless Trilogy by Julie Kagawa. The YA fantasy adventure follows Thieves Guild member Sparrow and her comrades as they fight to save their city and the entire desert empire from the wrath of the Deathless King. Publication is scheduled for fall 2024, 2025, and 2026. Wow, getting an entire trilogy in one deal. Good job, Julie. Yeah, Julie Kagawa is um, a very prolific fantasy author. Um, she's written multiple fantasy series, so this is definitely in her wheelhouse. And it's really good that yeah, yeah, it's really good to see that she has another trilogy coming out. I love a good fantasy character that's named after a bird. It's always a good sign. All right, next up in a nine bidder auction, Zando bought Throwback by Maureen Gu. When second-generation teen Sam Kong finds herself transported to the 1990s, she has to face an analog world, regressive attitudes, and worst of all, her teenaged mother. Pitched as Back to the Future meets Ladybird, the novel is a humorous and romantic time travel adventure that asks big questions about what exactly one inherits and loses in the immigrant experience. Publication is set for spring 2023. I think I died a little when um, a Back to the Future story is set in the 90s. Yeah, that that hurt me. <laughs> oh, why? Because <laughs> I was a kid in the 90s. I mean, listen, we're at an age where people are parents. So <laughs> it's understandable. 90s. Wow, what a time. There was never want to go back. Yeah, it was not a it was not a kind time towards women. We still live in a time where it is a not kind time towards women, but it was far, far worse back then. Yeah, um, Maureen Gu. Uh, yeah, I mean, this sounds great. Maureen Gu doesn't miss. Um, this sounds like a fun time travel romp, which um, I think this is probably your first time writing something science fiction-y, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And we've talked to Maureen on the show before. Uh, we talked to her about her rom-com, I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Uh, so check that out if you have not listened to it. It was yeah. one of our earliest interviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Congrats to Maureen. Uh, next up, Harper Teen acquired Magic Has No Borders, a YA anthology of short stories that reimagine South Asian folklore, legends, and epics. The anthology is edited by Samir Ahmed and Sono Chayapatra with stories from Subha Tahir, Tanis Bathena, Swati Tirdala, Nas Katub, Sangu Mandana, Nikita Gill, Saitani Dasgupta, Preeti Chibler, Olivia Chadra, Tracy Baptiste, Nafisa Azad, and other winners from a contest run by the book's editors. Publication is slated for summer 2023. Wow, that is a lot of authors in this anthology. Yeah, I mean, it sounds really cool. And I really like the fact that it's specific towards South Asian folklore, because I feel like we don't get to see enough of those. And yeah. a lot of these authors, you know, they've written pretty awesome, magical, uh, middle grade and YA stories. So I'm really excited to read this as well. Yeah. All right, next up, Riverhead bought North American rights to Jackie and Giselle by National Book Award finalist Lisa Ko, the author of The Leavers. Beginning in the 1980s and moving through the 2040s, the story follows three Asian American women in New York City who fight expectations to pursue creative and meaningful lives in a future radically different from the one they were promised. The publisher has not yet announced a pub date. Wow, they should just call this book... The millennial experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to read this because, you know, I really enjoyed reading The Leavers. We talked about it on the show um, in a previous episode. And the 2040s, that's, you know, 20 years from now. Like, what, like, what is the future that she uh, describes in the book? I'm really curious. Yeah, I really love these types of books. It's the same with... um the uh with another book club pick that we've read um Bangkok Wicks to Rain where an know, ocean it, of minutes too yeah where the story spans from historical fiction to speculative fiction and i'm yeah i'm really curious to see how what lisa Cole envisions the 2040s to be like because i'm i wonder if she'll be optimistic about it or cynical about it right i mean i'm also curious if like covid is part of the saga you know because mm. i feel like 2020s has been <laughs> shaped by the pandemic and I, i'm just curious if that's going to be part of the canon in her story yeah looking forward to learning more about this book as well next up in an exclusive submission norton young readers acquired a new ya nonfiction title from paula Yu, the author of from a whisper to a rallying cry um the book about the murder of Vincent chin um her new book rising from the ashes how the 1992 los angeles uprising bridged two communities um, is a book that will explore the 1992 Los Angeles civil unrest movement, uh, focusing on the destruction and rebirth of LA's historic Koreatown and taking an in-depth look at the relationship between the Korean-American and Black communities during these events and since. Publication is slated for fall 2023. Paula Yu does not hold back her punches when it comes <laughs> to uh, exploring very difficult historical moments in Asian-American history. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think it's needed because I remember studying Asian American history in college and there weren't a lot of textbooks for the, those classes. And There's it's a lot nice of because it's YA nonfiction. So it's geared towards younger readers. I mean, how often are you going to read 
stuff from a textbook. You know, people don't read textbooks <laughs> as leisure reading. So I'm really glad yeah. that Paula Yu has taken on a project like this. And actually, our uh, fellow, and actually our fellow potluck podcast, uh, they call us Bruce. They interviewed Paula Yu because they're um, pretty good friends with her. So I would check out that interview. They do a really great job talking about Vincent Shin's murder case yeah. and just the process, uh, just her research process <laughs> in general. Yeah. All right. Next up, in a two-book deal, Wednesday Books acquired Artifacts of an Ex by Jennifer Chen. The debut YA novel follows Chloe, who, after receiving a shoebox of memories from her ex-boyfriend, decides to host a breakup box art show, only to meet Daniel, a boy who she can't help but start to fall for. There's only one problem. Daniel is tired of being a rebound. Publication <laughs> is tentatively set for summer 2023. That sounds fun. Oh, man. <laughs> the whole shoebox full of, like, your ex's belongings and memories of your relationship that's such a trope in like rom like romantic movies and i'm all for it yeah it, it sounds like a fun time also this good on this guy for saying tired of rebounds time to <laughs> i'm tired of being looked at as a boundaries. piece of meat <laughs> yeah it sounds it sounds really fun um i'm excited to read it yeah sounds right up your alley <laughs> yep it it is all right. Uh, Simon and Schuster acquired world rights to I Can Be All Three, a picture book by Salima Ali Khan and illustrated by Nur Safi. It tells the story of a multicultural girl attempting to reconcile her own cultural identity as she works to prepare a display for her school's multicultural day. Publication is set for summer 2023. Multicultural days at school. How very <laughs> awkward. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I don't know how they were at your school, but I remember um, it was more prevalent in elementary school where, you know, certain holidays, like all the parents of like a certain ethnic um, background would get together and do like, uh, let's do red envelopes and um, fortune cookies for Chinese New Year, uh, or let's make latkes and play dreidels for Hanukkah and things like that. And looking back, I'm, I'm glad they did those because it did expose me as a younger child to other cultures and holidays. Um, did they do those kinds of things at your school? I remember International Day. So, mm. you know, like sometimes that would, that would take place with like just like a potluck where people would bring food from their respective, you know, backgrounds. Uh. Um, and I just remember how... Like a lot of the white kids would just avoid eating all of the quote unquote weird food. And it's That's... just like, yo, this is kimbap. <laughs> like it is like so basic. There's like nothing in this that you would find gross, but they would not touch it. They're and... the same people now that are waiting in lines to buy the kimbap made by that one white chef. <laughs> I know. It's it's just so frustrating. But like in high school we had um like we had showcases where people would show like traditional dances and do like traditional arts and that was really cool um but also a little bit weird because it kind of felt like tokenizing mm. and it's like who is this for it's not really for <laughs> the multicultural population of the school it's mostly for right know, kids, that's so. interesting how different that is because like international days i am familiar with that because we did international day when i was in grad school um, in Maryland. So maybe it's an East Coast thing where they put everything into one day. Um, because in my elementary school, like the teacher would, would allow the parents to come in and like spend a whole day 
talking about like Chinese culture, uh, Mexican culture, Jewish culture for that entire class. And it's a different vibe, right? One is to educate students about cultures and one is to kind of, if it was like checking off a checkbox, like, oh, we did our, we did our multicultural thing today. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like overall the East Coast doesn't do a pretty good job with, <laughs> with like broadening their curriculum in terms of like decentralizing history. Uh, but also like, you know, it's been a very long time since I've been in elementary school and like high school. So I don't know. I, I feel like it's a lot better now. <laughs> All right. Next up, Jesse Q. Sutanto, author of Dial A for Aunties, signed a five book deal with Berkeley. The first book, I'm Not Done With You Yet, is slated for a fall 2022 release. The story is about the complex and twisted friendship between two women writers, one successful and the other not, and the obsession one has with the other. The book explores subjects of racial stereotypes, classism, and social status. The other books in the deal include another standalone thriller, a third and fourth entries in the author's Medellin Chan series, and a standalone rom-com. Wow, Jesse is on a roll. Um, we also had Jesse on the podcast earlier this year for Dally for Auntie, so definitely check that one out. Excited to learn that she's getting book three and four in that series, um, so we get more aunties. That's awesome too. Yeah, I really want to read like the second book too because that <laughs> that came out uh, recently. Yeah, um, I I really enjoyed reading Dally for Aunties. I would probably say that was like one of the top three books that I've read this past year. So. Yeah. And this new book, uh, I'm Not Done With You Yet, uh, is, it's interesting because the timing is almost perfect because, well, actually, this book won't be out till next year. But alongside all this, like, bad art friend discourse, I feel like it's such good timing. Oh, that's you know? <laughs> right. That happened. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, like, totally wiped the whole kidney story from my memory. Yeah. And so I think Jesse will be able to get a jump on all the other people who are going to write books about the bad art friend dynamic. Next up, Lee and Lo Books bought two novels by debut author Dong Fang Wen. Um, the first is Mei and Bay, a historical novel, and the second is an untitled middle grade novel. Uh, Mei and Bay is about a girl who, after being sold by her stepmother, follows a precocious kitten through the war-torn streets of Vietnam to a happy ever after home and found family. Publication is slated for 2023. That That is a dark turn. Yeah, it feels like this is like the character who has to like literally earn her happy ending um, because the setting is just so gruesome. Is that the right word? I, yeah, because it says war-torn streets of <laughs> Vietnam. It, yeah. there, nothing about that is a fluffy good time. Except for maybe the kitten? There's Except a- for maybe the kitten. And I'm really grateful that it has that bit of hope <laughs> and a hopeful message throughout. Yeah, save us, save us, kitty. <laughs> save, <laughs> save us, kitty. <laughs> All right, next up, Random House Studio has bought world rights to Baba's Peach Tree, written by Marie Tang and illustrated by Saul Kim. The picture book follows a girl, Tao Hua, and her father, Baba, who discover good fortune behind their old stone house, a peach tree, and with it, hopes for a better life. Publication is scheduled for spring 2024. That's cute. I love that um, children's books um, now with you know diverse characters are more comfortable with using like the culturally specific terms for mom and dad. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. it's like really nice to see more books where um 
like fathers are more present. I don't know. I feel like with a lot of picture books uh, in the past, it mostly focused on like a mother and child relationship. I don't know if maybe I'm just making that up, but I just feel like it's nice to see more different relationships you know you're right but i think that's because in like most common fairy tales that we've read growing up the father is mostly absent in those films right like the mom dies and the dad is absent or the dad is like really useless yeah or or something like that (laughs) yeah so you know dads need representation too so i'm glad this book is around all right uh next up in an exclusive submission inkyard press acquired a scarlet alchemist by Kylie Lee Baker, who was the author of The Keeper of Night. Um, This dark YA fantasy duology is set in an alternate Tang Dynasty China, where alchemy has led to income inequality as the rich eat gold to achieve eternal youth. The story follows a poor biracial girl with the ability to raise the dead who gets caught up in the dangerous political games of the royal family. Publication is scheduled for fall 2023. Wow. This is a lot, too. Uh, I love these fantasy stories with super convoluted setups because that means there's tons of world building and that's that's always amazing i i mean i love books that explore uh class divide (laughs) and just the fact that like the rich eat literal gold to achieve eternal youth that's a very interesting concept and it's (laughs) not subtle at all but still pretty awesome (laughs) i could totally picture it yeah yeah Yeah. i mean not subtle at all but pretty a, a very very good um metaphor does it still count as metaphor i mean i'm all for the message of like overthrow the rich eat them and you know yeah what happens if you eat the rich to eat the gold cannibalism free (laughs) next up harper collins acquired world rights to every day is a holiday written by anti-bias anti-racist educator liz kleinrock Illustrated by Chaya Prabhat, this picture book decenters Christmas as the holiday season by introducing various American classmates who celebrate diverse holidays almost every month of the year. Publication is set for fall 2023. Hey, we were just talking about this exact phenomenon. Yes, yes. <laughs> holidays. Yeah, it's very westernized. Even even overseas, you know? Because like the Philippines, Christmas is like a pretty big holiday yeah but they inherited like the they're uh, also super catholics <laughs> yeah i feel like in east asia at least christmas is less centered on their religion but they did translate the consumerism and capitalism um, aspects well because it's all about just buying shit yeah yeah and also like thanksgiving that's a pretty western holiday yeah all right. Uh, Dial Books for Young Readers acquired world rights to three picture books by Ying Chang Kaufenstein. The first book is The Real Story of Rapunzel, a feminist retelling of Rapunzel set in China. It will be illustrated by debut artist Crystal Kung for publication in fall 2023. The second book, Growing Up During the Cultural Revolution, is a memoir of the author's childhood in China in the 1960s. And the third will be another picture book with content to be determined. That sounds pretty cool, like a Rapunzel retelling that's set in China. Yeah. I don't know if there's actually a fairy tale that, like a fairy tale in China that's equivalent of Rapunzel Mm. with the long hair story stuck in a tower. I mean, most long hair stories from Asian folklore have been horror stories. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I feel like, um, but yeah, I, I know there's like a Chinese version of like Little Red Riding Hood where the wolf takes the place of a grandmother and starts eating the kids. But I don't know about Rapunzel. I have I don't Towers are a very like Western thing though. 
you know? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> the fact that like a lot of women in East Asian history are just primarily trapped in their houses. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much the same thing as being trapped in a tower, in my opinion. But, yeah. And, you know, the second book growing up during the Cultural Revolution sounds like it's going to be a probably probably sad times read, but you know. <laughs> sad times read. A very necessary read, too, because if you think about it, like if, if you think about the new generation of Chinese Americans, like how much do they know about the Cultural Revolution? Uh, so I think it is pretty important to pass on that history yeah. in a more accessible way. All right, next up, Roaring Brook Press acquired a duology by YA author Joan He. Joan He is the author of The Ones We're Meant to Find. The first book, Strike the Zither, is a reimagining of the Chinese military epic Romance of the Three Kingdoms, in which a strategist must help her warlordess to victory against the rival kingdoms to the north and the south while overcoming her fate as written by the gods. Publication is scheduled for fall 2022. Yeah. So I guess this is a gender-bent version of The Three Kingdoms? That's, yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> that sounds interesting. It sounds like quite a challenge because the, the romance of The Three Kingdoms has like a billion and one characters. I wonder how Joan's going to adapt it all, you know? I mean, it's an epic. Romance of The Three Kingdoms is an epic. So it is <laughs> going to be an epic project to adapt. And I'm expecting a very large page count <laughs> just to get through all a lot of the story beats. Yeah, and, you know, Romance of the Three Kingdoms is a very well-known, well-beloved um, story, not only in, like, Chinese culture, but also in, like, video game culture, right? All the Dynasty Warriors games. Like, these are characters that a lot of people are very familiar with. So I'm curious to see how this reimagining shapes up. Uh, all right, our next deal, uh, Candlewick MIT Kids Press acquired world rights to Clouds in Space, The Nebula Story, written by APALA award winner... Teresa Robeson, um, author of Queen of Physics and illustrated by Diana Rangina. This nonfiction picture book is a personified look at nebulas, whether they're the last breath of a supernova expelling elements that make us or a nursery for stars and planets. Publication is slated for spring 2024. Yes, more science books, please. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's, you know, trying to take the super theoretical sciencey concepts and making it palatable for a picture book. As someone who really struggled with science, like all throughout her <laughs> grade school years, I, I could have used this like tremendously. Yeah, yeah I wonder if this would have helped us um, better read three body problem back. Uh, oh my God, yes. Like I don't ever want to... Re- I don't ever want to listen to that episode ever again. I sound so <laughs> unintelligent and like so lost because we all of far, the theory just fine. flew over <laughs> our head. I think there I was think... a Goodreads member or someone who emailed us saying like, yeah, you got like a lot of the things wrong. <laughs> and it's like, and I'm like, I apologize. I am not good it's with science. Fine. You know, I'm, pre- I'm pretty confident saying like probably 90% of the people who read that book are in the same boat. So as it's okay. As- it's being adapted. And maybe once once it comes out and I watch it, uh, maybe I'll get it more. Isn't it going to be a DMV a joint person. though? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I... I don't know. I'll I'll give it a chance. I will be open-minded. All right. All right. Next up, 
Putnam Bought the Encanto's Daughter by Melissa de la Cruz, a YA fantasy duology inspired by Filipino folklore. In the first book, Princess of the Summer Court, a girl learns that her late father was an Encanto, the fairy king of the Summer Court, and now she must navigate a backstabbing court, claim her throne, and wage war against the Winter Kingdom. Publication is set for 2024. Wow. Melissa de la Cruz strikes again. Wow. Uh, She writes so many books. Uh, She wrote Somewhere in Between, which is a previous book club pick. That was a very early book club pick, too. Yes, it it was. Yeah. And she is prolific. And this book sounds like a lot of fun. Next up, Random House Studio bought world rights to Piper Sings, a picture book by Tony and Emmy-nominated actor Philippa Sue and Maris Pascale Doran. The story explores the relationship between an enthusiastic girl who loves to sing pop music and her beloved Nai-Nai who plays classical piano. Publication is set for spring 2024. That's Aww, fun. Yeah. Philippa Sue, of course, was the original Liza Hamilton for Lin-Manuel Miranda's um, Broadway run. And she was also the originator of Amelie, the musical. And I don't know, just I, I love this idea of someone who really loves pop music, but like their family is like... No, only classical music. Maybe it's because I come from a family of just classical musicians. And yeah, like... Is that the story? Like, I kind of got the feeling it's more like about the girl and her grandma bonding, bonding over, over music. Yeah, music. I mean, that's cute too. <laughs> I just I just love the, I guess, like the meeting of two worlds. Yeah, you know? yeah. I love that our cynical minds immediately went I through know, like... I know, I know. music, her family must hate it. Right. My like my parents used to only play classical music mm. or gospel music in the car. And like my mom being my mom would play a game with me when I was a child being like, hey, what instrument is oh, no. is playing right now? Uh, and then she's like, what what pitch is this? And it turns out that I was not pitch um like I did not have perfect pitch, so I was unable to oh, guess no. any of those notes and she would get really frustrated. And, you know, now I love K-pop and hip-hop, so she really hates it when I drive her because I would just play, like, really obnoxious contemporary music. And she's just like, can you can you not? And I'm like, nope. If we have to listen to Bach in your car for, like, the 10th time, I will lose my sanity. So, no. Amazing. All right. Next up, Dial bought world rights to three picture books by debut author Charlotte Cheng. Uh, The first picture book, Go-Go and the Night Market, follows the journey of an abandoned street dog as he discovers the magic of a Taipei night market, where he stumbles upon the gift of friendship and potentially the promise of home. The book will be illustrated by Amber Wren, and publication is set for spring 2023. And the second book, Roar Chu explores the centuries-old relationship between dragon and phoenix as they combat a cold together. The book will be illustrated by award-winning illustrator Dan Santat, and the publication is set for spring 2024. And finally, I Miss You Most is a poem about losing a loved one while still seeing them in details of day-to-day life. Shindi Yan will illustrate the book, and publication is scheduled for summer 2024. Wow. That's a lot. Um, these all sound super cute, except the last one. The last one sounds more, you know, more emotional. But Roar Chu, I'm very interested in this book. With the dragon and the phoenix? Yeah. It sounds amazingly cute. I, I, that is, a dragon and the phoenix are primarily 
Chinese. Yeah, you can see a mural motives. of them in every dim sum restaurant you've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> I I like the first one, Gogo go in the Night Market, because you know Taipei Night Market. It's you know very bustling and. Yeah. I would love to see all of the food illustrations. And I don't know if you caught this, but go-go, it means dog. It's Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> uh, a go is a dog. So we say go-go as like a cute way of saying doggy. Oh, so it's like doggo. Yeah. But in Chinese. Yeah, okay. In <laughs> Very smart titling. Good job, Charlotte. Um, all right. Our last book deal. HarperCollins acquired world rights to Eyes That Weave the World's Wonders. Written by Joanna Ho and Liz Kleinrock, the picture book will be illustrated by Dung Ho and edited by Allison Day. In the picture book, a young Asian transnational transracial adoptee notices that no one in her family has eyes like hers. But through the relationships and memories of her birth and adoptive family, she comes to realize that the shape of her eyes captures the complexities and love in her life. Publication is expected in winter 2024. Um, yeah, it sounds like another great addition to the world of picture books that tells us we shouldn't be sad about our eyes, even if the whole world tells us that our eyes are weird. Uh, yeah, Joanna Ho is a New York Times bestselling author uh, of the book. So yeah, Joanna Ho is the New York Times bestselling author of the picture book Eyes That Kiss in the Corners, which was also a book about appreciating Asian eyes. So I'm really glad that she kind of has like a follow up to that. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds really cute. And it sounds like something that we really need in our um, Asian American picture book canon. Yeah. And that was our last book deal. So now we'll move on to book news. Um, Rira, tell me about the National Book Awards. Yeah. So in our previous mid-month episode, we went over all of the National Book Award finalists and the winners were announced um, a couple days ago. And Melinda Lowe won the Young People's Literature Award for her book Last Night at the Telegraph Club. And Eliza Schwa Dusipin won the Translated Literature Award for Winter in Sokcho. So congratulations to Melinda and Eliza. Um, if you want to hear more about those books, we discussed them in our last episode, last mid-month episode. So yeah. check that episode out. Yeah. On behalf of Books and Bulba, this is an official congratulations to both yeah, of Yeah. And also, like, Melinda Lowe uh, tweeted her speech um, for the National Book Award, and I highly recommend reading it because yeah. it is very touching. Melinda Lowe is the author of Ash, and it was, like, one of the first books that had a queer relationship so I'm really glad that she finally got, like, the top-tier recognition <laughs> that she she deserves. Yeah. Also in the news, congratulations to Dustin Tao for debuting number two on the New York Times bestsellers list for young adult hardcover with his book, You've Reached Sam. Yeah, congratulations. We're seeing so many Asian-American authors, like, top the New York yeah. Times bestsellers <laughs> list. And it just warms, warms my heart so much. So, like, You've Reached Sam is, like, kind of like a K-drama uh, worthy of uh, of a story because it's about like a girlfriend who loses her boyfriend in a terrible accident, and then she decides to call a cell phone one day and they reconnect. So it is, yeah, like a very like sweet vibes tragic of, story. Like the lake house, or like a lot of these like romantic tragedy science fiction mashups that are specifically designed to extract tears from your eyes. Yeah, um, I mean. <laughs> It's therapy for a lot of people. So yeah. I remember when I saw the cover and I was like, dang, that that is going on the TBR list somewhere. <laughs> oh, my God. My ever growing TBR list. Yeah. I don't want to 
All right. So we have some film adaptation news. So Love Boat Taipei, we have some news about casting. So Ashley Lau, who is in Physical and Fresh Off the Boat, and Ross Butler, who was featured in To All the Boys I Loved Before, and Shazam, they've signed on to star in the film adaptation of Abigail Wen's YA novel, Love Boat Taipei. And we've had Abigail on the show uh, to talk about her book, Love Boat Taipei. And um, Marvin read it. I have not. And he really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah. It's interesting because I don't think Rick Wu in the book is biracial, like Ross Butler. But I wonder if they'll do the hand wavy thing of just saying, oh, he's just Asian. Or if they're going to like build that into the story. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, it sounds like the cast is coming around. And it's gotten the important thing down for a good YA film which is having very attractive people play the leads so um yeah all right in other adaptation news um deadline reports that sony pictures television's tristar won television rights to kirsten chen's upcoming novel counterfeit um kirsten chen of course is the author of bury what we cannot take and soy sauce for beginners and her new book counterfeit is a story of two asian american women who band together to grow a counterfeit handbag scheme into a global enterprise um, it's an incisive and glittering blend of fashion crime and friendship and the book is slated for a july 2022 release kirsten is also on board to be an executive producer for the series adaptation um, no other news about when the show will debut but um, I mean, it's it's an option news because they won the television rights, but they have oh, not God, started God. development yet. But it sounds really fun. I love the idea of um, it, it kind of reminds me of Hustlers, you know, yeah. because it's about like women who are like, hey, let's game the system. I mean, low key, isn't this just a story of Forever 21? <sighs> I don't know. Like, I don't know the origin story of Forever 21, but, you know, like the counterfeit handbag Business is really big in East Asia. Um, like this is this is a really funny story. But when I was in Korea, when I was like eighteen, and I was about to go to college, my aunts were like, "Hey, we're gonna buy some like really nice bags for you." And we were walking down Myeongdong, which is like the primary shopping district, and you know they have like a bunch of like I, I guess like scouters in in the area, and they'd be like, "Hey." do you like designer bags? <laughs> and then, so so like we were approached by one of these scouters and we followed them down like this alleyway, like thinking back on it, it's like, what are we, what were we thinking? <laughs> Obviously my aunts were, you know, pros. They knew what they were doing, but I was just like, this is a strange man that we've never met. And he's taking us like really far away from like a busy street. So we walked, we walked into a very like, empty building into a dark basement and like he opened the door and it was just bags everywhere it was like so many bags or like mountains of like counterfeit uh designer bags and my aunt bought me like three or four and i was just like <laughs> it's like you know i don't really care about designer brands and they're like no you're an adult woman now you should have like you should have like luxury brand bags. And I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. I don't I don't really care, but it's a thing. Yeah. So congrats to Kirsten on it's always amazing to see books get picked up before they even come out. I guess Hollywood is now looking towards locking in those book rights uh, for their new IPs. I mean, they've always been all about scouting the book landscape for for new IPs. 
But it's really nice that because we've been doing this podcast for so long, like deals like these, like <laughs> acquisition rights, we we see it come to fruition. Like to all the boys uh, I've loved before, like we announced it as like, oh, yeah, the casting. Woo. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, it's like, yay, it came out. So it's <laughs> nice to see the beginning of the journey and all the way to uh post-production and distribution so yeah congratulations to kirsten all right so our last piece of news it's not really specific news but i wanted to highlight it um if you've been active on book twitter you've been you've probably seen a lot of news about book challenges and book bans um in late October, Texas Republican State Representative Matt Cross uh, sent a letter to the Texas Education Agency with a list of 850 books on an Excel sheet saying, hey, like which schools have these books? How much money have they spent on these CRT books? And we should get rid of them. And a lot of conservative states have followed up and they've been uh, pushing for this House bill called the House Bill 3979, uh, the so-called anti-CRT bill that bans teaching any materials that could mean an individual should feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress on account of the individual's race or sex. So I'm quoting here. Right. And CRT um, obviously means critical race theory, which is the latest yeah. conservative talking point in politics right now. Yeah, and a, and a lot of the books that got targeted were books that featured queer characters, primarily trans characters. And it's really disturbing how a lot of parents have been advocating for, for these books to be removed. Um, a lot of these authors are BIPOC authors, so a lot of Asian-American authors. I know Kelly Yang, the author of Front Desk, faced a lot of, uh, I guess, like, protests. I don't want to call them protests because it's so, She I don't had know. to deal with, like... She had to deal with a lot yeah, of Yeah, she had to deal crap. with, was it a school, a school district or like a whole, it was a school district, right? That It was a school district. Yeah. I forgot which state. But yeah, like a lot of parents banded together saying like, this is not a book that I want my child to be reading in class. And it's just started an entire conversation on like, yeah, and on, the, like that book was front desk, right? Her yeah, it was front desk. It was it was about a child of um, it was about a child who worked at a motel with uh it was about a child who worked at a motel that kind of sheltered uh, undocumented in immigrants, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly. And of course, like a lot of conservative parents, they were like, this is harmful. I don't want my kids to learn about race and, and undocumented immigrants at such a young age. Um, this is, you know, clearly they're brainwashing my my child to be like pro CRT. And I'm like, what? Like, you're... I know, said the people brainwashed against CRT. Yeah, yeah. It's just so hypocritical and it's so harmful too because you're pretty much saying that uh, the experiences of marginalized children, like their experiences don't matter. Like it's, I, I don't know, it's really disheartening. And and the fact that this house bill, it like it's so unclear. It's so vague about like what they want because what they're saying is we don't want 
certain books to be part of the teaching curriculum. But parents are pushing libraries, school libraries, and also public libraries to remove the books altogether. And it's like, that's not part of the bill. Like, that's not what they're trying to do. But obviously, that's their end goal. And if they remove all of the books that were listed in this ridiculous Excel sheet that uh, Matt Krause uh, distributed, it there would be no books in libraries. Like, that is a lot of books. I mean, it's just... <sighs> Talk about like showing your whole ass. I wonder how much if this is driven by the fear that if their child learns about things like race, they'll end up at odds with the parents, which then you need to maybe um, reflect on your own biases that you think that your child learning about how race has been an integral part of how this country has operated over the last few centuries will affect your child's relationship with yourself. Yeah, and some of these parents are proudly calling themselves domestic terrorists. And that, it just tells you what kind of person they are, what kind of people they are. And it's not really a a thing that you want to role model for <laughs> your children. I mean, I want to say, like, I have faith that things will turn out well. But then, you know, the last couple of days have kind of made it hard to believe myself because, um, you know, this country, like, because, you know, we live in a world that we live in a system that obviously favors certain people. And I don't know if we're even close to really truly addressing that if even the first step is this hard. Yeah, what... What is giving me hope is the fact that young students are saying, no, like these books are important for our education. And they're, you know, protesting against uh, against pretty much like the the city government and saying like, no, this is my education. This is uh, my life. And you shouldn't be able to dictate what I can or cannot read. And that really... You know, that just I'm a pretty cynical person. But when I see young people, um, you know, take charge like that, it really does um, reassure me that the future there is there is some light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> wow. We were having hope that is. I know. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, we, we I mean, obviously, you and I really believe in the power of media and literature to to like open minds and you know make people more, more well-rounded and you know rest assured books and bubble will always be here to recommend a variety of books written by asian and asian american authors so um for the time being we're not going anywhere well i just want to take the time to <laughs> say if you're a school librarian if you're a teacher um if you're a parent uh who are doing who, who are doing their best to keep these books on the shelves you know you're doing great work keep at it um and yeah, like yeah. take down people who try to dictate your reading list and read whatever the hell you want. <laughs> you have our support. Yes, yes. Be rebels. <laughs> be fun. Yeah, we read about rebels all the time in books. It's time to be a rebel in real life. I mean, like, listen, I read whatever the hell I wanted as a kid. You're not going to be able to stop your kid from reading whatever <laughs> they want. Um, I've read a lot of books that had violence and sex when I was like, a middle schooler so wow. really you can't stop like you can't stop kids from reading whatever the whatever they want you can try to shelter them but yeah you know they'll get curious and you know yeah 
All right. And with that, that'll do it for our November 2021 Books and Boba Mint Month check-in. Um, Rira, as always, thank you for compiling all the book and publishing news in Asian American literature. Um, please remind us what we're reading for this month. All right. So for the month of November, we have been reading On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong. Um, we're going to be discussing it next week because that's the end of November. <laughs> uh, so if you have not started reading it, now is a good time to start. And if you want to jumpstart on our December book club pick, we'll be reading She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. It is a fantasy novel. It's 416 pages. So yeah, um, <laughs> it will take take some time to get through. So uh, if you have already finished our November book club pick, now is a good time to start it. Unless you're like me and you can burn through that book in maybe one or two days. Don't do that like i highly don't like like some books you have to savor you know take your time with it i say this as a very hypocritical person <laughs> who also binge read books yeah i, I just have uh, my personality um yeah i just i binge everything so there's really no stopping me um yeah. but i guess yeah health yeah um but yeah like a healthy way to read the book will probably be in chunks but you know what's healthy these days Anyways, um, that'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time for our book club discussion of On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Books and Boba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget, you can support Books and Boba and Asian American authors by purchasing books at our bookshop.org account. Check out the link in our show notes and also at booksandboba.com. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about the collective and check out our fellow Potluck shows by visiting the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening. We're still here, and we're going strong. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app.